Thanks for listening to the Mercy Church Podcast. If you're in the area, we want to invite you to join us the last weekend in March as we celebrate Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Good Friday services will be at 6 p.m. on Friday evening. And then on Sunday morning, we invite you to join us for a time of worship, a message, and baptisms. Bring your friends, your family, and if you feel so led, invite your coworker, cashier, or barista to join you. Services will be held at regular service times at all campuses. To learn more, visit mercycharlotte.com slash events. Again, that's mercycharlotte.com slash events. Well, good morning. Good morning, guys. Yeah. I agree. That was a cool video. i never seen that. That was, that was awesome. Um, and I am so, so glad to be back with the Mercy family. Um, y'all, I want to say thank you. I want to take just a couple of minutes uh, and say thank you on behalf of my whole family. Uh, we have spent, if you're newer to Mercy Church, uh, my name's Spence. I serve as a pastor here on staff, um, but we have been on a four-month sabbatical, and uh, it was such a gift to our family. Um, we we tried to have some fun with it in certain parts. We went out and uh, we made some memories. We went out west, saw uh, none of us had ever, neither Courtney or our kids have ever been to like the national parks out west. Uh, it's really cool out there. And we went out there and made some memories. I think we've got a picture of our time out there and that is not it. But that's, that looks cool, whatever that is uh, that we're showing behind me. But um, we, uh, we went out, saw like the Grand Canyon, Zion, Bryce National Park, all this cool stuff. And it was... Um, it was a lot of fun, but I tell you, one of the greatest blessings for Courtney and I during it was that our kids were aching to get back to their church. Y'all, now we went, we saw what the Lord's doing in a bunch of different churches, and that was really cool, but uh, as a pastor, to have your kids like, when can we go back to mercy? This isn't our sabbatical, it's yours. Like, okay, okay. But um, we actually sent them back a couple weeks early and everything, and um, it's a joy that we have that, um, that that's a reality for us. I want to tell you a couple of things the Lord did in me. I've been trying to figure out how to sum it up and through a lot of conversations, just what happened over that time. I feel like I've started to, uh, to be able to put it into words. There's a couple of things in particular uh, that I could say the Lord did in me. The first is that he quieted my soul. Man, we cut out, um, I cut out a lot of noise, um, cut out all social media, ended up like cutting out news. Like I was the guy, Courtney kept going, did you hear about it? I'm like, nope. Didn't hear about it. Um, even switched over to like a burner phone. Only had six contacts on my phone, right? Um, I, it was just, but what that did is, is I kind of got everything quiet, is it left a whole lot of room for the Lord to speak. Um, and I felt like I got to walk in what Paul calls Timothy to walk in, in a peaceful and quiet life. Um, and the Lord did a lot in me through that time of just quieting my soul so that I could listen to him. It was really just a whole lot of, like it was, most of it was uneventful, my time away. It was just long days, uh, quiet days with the Lord, uh, walk, taking long walks with the Lord and my dog. Like if an animal could get saved, that dog would have definitely got, it's heard so many sermons um, and peed on the carpet a couple days ago. So animals do not have souls. That was the official <laughs> determiner right there. Um, but not only the quiet soul, y'all, and that's something that I want to, I'm trying, uh, I say this, like I'm learning, how do I keep that as we come back into the normal rhythms of life. It's something that the Lord promises all of us. So I'm hoping to learn with you on that. But another one, it's like he just gave me a fullness in my tank. 
a fullness that I didn't know was missing. We didn't go into sabbatical. I mean, we had been in ministry for 17 years, um, but we love it here and didn't know that I was really, there wasn't like an emergency or something like that. The elders were just like, it's time. Seven years in, it's time. Um, seven years into to pastoring mercy anyways. And so uh, while I'm out, specifically while we're out on our trip in Zion, I just feel like maybe the Lord spoke through me in the first person. I don't know, like I just felt this sense of I'm full. Um, and I didn't know I needed that. <laughs> I didn't know that was missing. Um, and man, it is, that didn't come from just playing and hiking. It came from long time devoted to the Lord and walking with him. Um, it's something I want for all of us as well. So quiet and full would be the way I'd describe it. Um, well, I've been briefed over the past uh, week or so on you guys, uh, where we are as a church. And I'll go ahead and tell you, the guys that I asked in ministry are a little bit older than me that said, basically I looked for counsel and advice on sabbatical. They said, well, you can do it, but your church is going to suffer a setback as a result of you doing it. But you just got to be ready for that, and you can do it, and that doesn't mean it's not a good thing. Um, and I'm like, yeah, well, the elders are saying it's time, and our theology says the church is not all about one person, right? Well, all I can say is... Um, <laughs> I come back and I look around and uh, found out that our church has grown by 5% in attendance since I've been gone. Um, I see babies everywhere. <laughs> Clearly, the Song of Solomon series last year worked. That is great uh, to know that that paid off. Um, we saw like 50 people join the church. People gave their lives to Christ. People were baptized while I'm out. So listen, I'll see you guys in four months. Uh, this is a great check-in. I'm glad to know things are well. Uh, but no, it's actually a really, this is exactly what I needed. Um, and the Lord knew that. And it's what we all needed is to be reminded that the church doesn't belong to one person. Yeah. Well, let me take that back. The church does belong to one person. It's Jesus. It ain't me, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I'm just a servant of the Lord. And so are each one of you. Man, he used so many of you in increased leadership roles in my absence. I know that. It's so cool to see. Uh, I heard from all the guest preachers that we brought, just, man, um, how much they were blessed by being with you. I cannot wait to see what the Lord does through our church um, and the work that he did while I was gone and how it's going to bear fruit. So today, what I want to do is I want to share with you the first of a few deep lessons that the Lord taught me while I was away. Uh, he gave me so many things that were just for me, but some... He gave me, I think, to give to you, so I hope you'll receive them. There'll be plenty you won't hear at least until January because i got to talk to the elders about them, um, but some things are just good, deep lessons from his word, okay? And um, I'm, I, admittedly, I'm a little nervous back in the pulpit. I told my, uh, my sons played baseball this fall. I said, imagine not playing baseball for four months, and then you're told you're starting pitching today, all right? It's a little bit what I feel like, uh, so I might be a little rusty, but I'm committed to come to you with what God has taught me to give you, and it comes from studying his word. And again, if you're new, me too, all right? Last time I was here, it was 98 degrees. It is something different this morning. Um, some of you I know just hadn't been here in four months, and you're like, hey, you did what? Um, welcome back. You should join me in a weekly rhythm now, okay? Uh, if you got your Bible, Romans 12 is where we're going to go this morning. Romans 12. We're just going to be in verses 1 and 2. The Lord stopped me, I mean, dead in my tracks in these two verses in September, and I spent about a week just considering these two verses. I had just celebrated my 40th birthday at the end of August, so yes, I am 40 now, which means I'm old enough to remember the sound of dial-up internet, okay? Um, you guys, anybody remember that sound? Let me hear it. What does it sound like? 
I just want to see if anybody do it. Oh, man. Yeah, it was terrible, right? Uh, you pick up the phone, and it sounds like a robot's taking over the world, right, when you do that. Old enough to remember that, but young enough to know Facebook is for old people, right? Like, I know the, the kind of the blend there. But that birthday, I think because it's one of those decade birthdays, it's just kind of a, it's a big one. You start to think, all right, man, decade birthday, what's going on beneath the surface? Who am I becoming? You start thinking about legacy a little bit. Who are my kids going to say that I was when they lived in my home? Who am I to those around me? Guess why I'm so thankful that I'm a Christian because my faith infuses clarity and purpose into that question. I believe God created me. I believe he put me intentionally right here and now in this time, in this space, has a unique plan for me and a purpose for me. And by the way, somebody just needs to hear that today, that you're not an accident, that you're not a mistake, that you are not a problem that God intentionally put you here and now for a purpose, and he's got a plan for you. And that plan, he is actively working it. This is why we say one of our values, we expect God to change a life today, because he's actively working in your life. And I'm just going to talk from Romans 12, 1 and 2, on how he does it, on how God changes us. It's a simple idea that I have for you today, how we go from where we are to where God wants us to be. And what is it that's going to get in the way? How God changes us. We'll go from Romans 12, 1 and 2. You guys ready? Yeah. Okay. I halfway believe Providence Road. I'm expecting Northeast picked up the, the slack there. Um, here we go. Let me read it for you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Here's my big idea today. One thing you walk away with today. The way God changes us into who he's created us to be is through celebration and sacrifice. And y'all, it's both of them. They are like peanut butter and jelly, okay? You can't have one without the other, or you got a nasty sandwich, all right? You ever had, like, just a jelly sandwich? I'm talking about a jelly biscuit. I'm talking about, like, Smucker's jelly and two pieces of white bread. Yeah, if you have, like, I, I said this in our um, worship planning meeting, because the answer is obviously no, that's gross and disgusting. And um, Jessica Murray, who's on our staff and our communications team, she is from a town called Timberlake, which is a suburb of Roxborough, which is a suburb of Durham, which is next door to Raleigh. So basically, Jessica grew up in the woods, okay? And she said, um, she said yeah, we used to have those. Like, all right, we're going to call that a Timberlake special from this day forward, right? That's what, that's what that is. But no, it's gross. Now, have you ever had just peanut butter in a sandwich? Yes, right? That's called graduate school food, right? For anybody that's gone through that phase or whatever. But when you eat it, it's so dry, right? All the moisture in your mouth is vanishes, and you know something is deeply wrong, right? Something is missing. PB&J, you got to have both. Or think about your yard. I got, um, I'm an adult now, so I'm learning how to grow grass. I've been doing this for years, trying to figure it out, working this battle. I've learned you got to have both seed and water. you got to have both if you want to grow grass. Or think about diet and exercise, you can't have just one without the other. You have just one, you're going to get skinny fat. You have just the other, you're going to get bulky fat, right? You need both. And I could go on and on with these combinations. Because all what I've experienced in my own life as a Christian, and I see it in other Christians too, is an emphasis either on celebration or on sacrifice. And then we get 
frustrated that we're not growing in Christ, that we look like a year later and we're looking back and we're going, man, I'm the same person that I was a year ago, same struggles, everything else, and it's because we're only working with half a sandwich. I see Christians celebrating the gospel, big emotional experiences, big on grace, big on thankfulness. Jesus has set me free, yes and amen. And listen, that's good. That's very good. Man, I'm so thankful for the spirit of almost like revival, but the spirit of celebration that is flowing through the American church right now. We need it. We should be a resurrection-minded, celebratory people. The one thing I want this gathering to be is celebratory. But celebration without sacrifice in our lives for the Lord is loud, but often empty. And it'll often need to continue to be really loud and really exciting in order to mask the emptiness. And because it's empty, here's the thing, that's not going to, that alone is not going to carry you when the storms rage. Because raising your hands and celebrating God's grace is good, but it's not the sole means by which he changes you into who he's created you to be. Sometimes, y'all, this is me. (laughs) I come in and I'm in it with y'all, in it. And even during my day sometimes I feel like that, but then, I don't know, often I functionally leave God at church and I'm like, I'll see you next week. And a year passes and I'm no different. But at the same time, I've been in seasons where I've been kind of like just begrudgingly sacrificing, doing the deeds of Christianity, living the sacrificial life, Bible reading, tithing, just coming to the worship gathering, serving, but somehow I'm still perpetually grumpy. I'm like, how can you read the Bible, give, go to church, and be habitually cynical and angry? That's because we've lost the celebration of the gospel, Like, I know we say, how could it be? But then it's often, that's who I am a lot. I've got disciplines meant to draw me closer to God, like a wire to a power source, but I don't take time to celebrate what those disciplines are trying to point out in my life. We need the ongoing celebration of the gospel and the ongoing sacrifice for the gospel. If you want God to work in your life, to change you into who he's made you to be. And by the way, I'm saying that. Let me go ahead and tell you the kind of end of the sermon. Who has he made you to be? It's to be like Christ. It's the image of Christ. That's where we're heading today. You'll you'll see that. Um, So to make sure this isn't too abstract, God changing you into the image of Christ. What I'm going to do today is I'm going to build a prayer over the course of this sermon. There will be kind of like a, hopefully, a a plug and pray tool Oh, mm, yes, this must be from God. No, okay. Um, To help you put the idea, just kind of a prayer to help you put today's sermon into practice. We're going to call it the God Change Me Prayer because I'm not that creative at naming things. And this is just what we want for him to do is to change us. Okay, Uh, we'll get to it. Let's just slowly walk through these two verses together. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, the mercies of God. First and foremost, this is the gospel news. That you and I who are sinners, if you are a sinner, both at our Northeast campus and here at Providence Road, if you are a sinner, will you please raise your hand? Okay, good. And if you've no, 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 keep them up. If you send more than once, you can even raise two hands. You know, if that's, if that's you, you don't have to. And then if you just kind of wave, no, I'm, I'm messing with you guys. But look, it's important that all y'all see this. Okay, you can put your hands down. Good job. Um, It's important that we see that with one another because, listen, y'all, it's so easy, so easy to think if you're newer to church that this is a place for perfect people, a place for people who have it all figured out. No, 
Listen, there is no room for perfect people at Mercy Church because you do not need the mercy of God if you are perfect, right? No, we're sinners, and we all just admitted it. The reason our chief ministry values that we keep the gospel at the center of all we do, the reason that we preach the gospel every week is because we're sinners in desperate need of the grace of God. I don't want you to come in here and hear a good talk. I want you to come in and encounter the love and grace of God. The gospel is the announcement that though your sin deserves death, the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. When he died on the cross, he was dying for your sins and mine, not for his sins. He didn't have any sins. And he, was, he died so that we could be reconciled back to God. We can have a clean record, walk free, forgiven, amazing grace. How sweet the sound. And what a God we worship. In view of those mercies. And our um, trip we took out west, man, we saw, I just, again, something, if you've never seen it before, you get one of those moments, it's just, a lot of the landscape was amazing. Saw some amazing views. There was one spot where we slept in a tent, and, and we woke up facing, the way the, the tent opened up, facing a sunrise out over this gorgeous rock formation way off in the distance, and like the sunrise was all these colors of orange and blue and purple and pink and everything. It's called the Grand Staircase Escalante. It's just absolutely beautiful. And I had this thought after sitting there just, I mean, it's so nice. And I go and I talk to a guy that worked at the campground. And I was like, man, I just got to know, do you ever get bored by seeing this? Because I'm over, I cannot believe what I'm seeing. Does this ever get boring to you or just familiar? And he said to me, it was the, it was so good. He goes, man, I actually just really try hard to be around people experiencing it for the first time so that I can be renewed in my own appreciation for it. I was like, bro, are you a preacher? Like, (laughs) that's awesome, you know? And in fact, what some of you Christians need is to get around some new Christians. Not Not so you can show them the ropes, so you can soak in their joy that they have and seeing the mercies of God. That was, that was amazing to see what I got to go out there and see. Worshipful. But what God says to you and I is that that has nothing on the beauty and wonder of the gospel. Peter says, the gospel is so beautiful, the angels long to look into it. Is it possible that you've become just too familiar with the mercies of God? That you've lost your view of them? And you're so familiar with it, you just get up and go through your day and take for granted the greatest news in all eternity. Hebrews 12, therefore let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Fix your sight, the author and perfecter of your faith. And then, then you run the race with endurance. But before you run, you fix your eyes. That's what I said when we went through that. What are you looking at? What's your deep motivation? And for you, Christian, I'm trying to tell you, your deep motivation isn't God's favor, hoping to get God's approval. It's what he has already done for you. The deep motivation for our lives is celebration. You wake up, you celebrate Jesus. He's given you another day. We don't have to wait till his birthday next month to celebrate him. We celebrate him today. And while our celebration of Jesus is centered on the gospel, that's the foundation God in his kindness has given us even more to celebrate. Lamentations 3, right? Because of the Lord's faithful love, and only because of that, 
We do not perish. For his mercies never end. They are new. Let's do it together. How many mornings? They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. He's got mercy for you today. He had it yesterday. He's got some stored up for tomorrow. You don't need to bank it up. He's got more. You just need to open up and like the blind beggar in Luke 18, Lord, I want to see. Show me, Lord. Help me see your mercies you brought into my life today. I started doing this this week as I was prepping the sermon. I was like, man, what are the mercies that God has given me? Kids who know the Lord, that's mercy. 40th birthday, I got this box that had a bunch of notes from friends just saying what they have seen God do in my life. That All those friends, that's mercy. A wife who wakes up at 5 a.m. to read her Bible, desperate to follow Jesus in a very full season of life, that's mercy. There is so much mercy from the Lord around me. And I want to encourage you to recount the mercies of God to you that maybe you've taken for granted. Um, we have these little things I think I've shared with you before. Courtney put it together one time as a little, uh, little jar, like a, a big mason jar with stones in it that we write different mercies of the Lord, we, you know, like Ebenezer stones, stones of remembrance. And we just write big things that have happened in our lives where we have seen the mercy of God and then we keep them out on a table, out right where we can see them so that we can remember regularly the mercies of God for us. I'm going to give you this as a part of this prayer, but figure out ways in your life to normalize celebrating the mercies of God that he's given you, of keeping his mercies in view. Here's the first part of this God change me prayer. It's celebration. It starts like this. Master, you created the heavens and the earth and the seas and everything in them. That comes out of Acts 4. I got into this prayer early on in sabbatical, and I recite it every single morning, this part of it. Master, you created master. Man, celebrating God as creator is so central to the prayers in the Bible that you're going to have to just trust me and put that in there without me preaching a second sermon on God as creator inside of this sermon this morning, okay? I write this down in my journal every day. The word is master because that's who he is. And if that's uncomfortable, you might have an authority problem with God. That's who he is. And this is going to help. And then you go and you say, thank you, God, for forgiving me of my sins. This is celebration. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins and giving me new life in Christ. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to guide me. Thank you for your church that walks with me. Thank you for the hope of heaven when I die. And thank you for, and I'm going to leave a blank for you to start filling it in. What else he's done? Lord, help me keep your mercies in view today. And I'm going to leave that sitting there for a second. And at this point, you might be thinking, Spence, that is a long prayer, several sentences. You thought it'd be real short or something like that. Well, unlike our consumer world, I'm not trying to make your relationship with God more efficient. Trying to make it more full. Okay? But, hey, if you just want to go take the Lord's Prayer and pray it every day, I mean, Jesus gave us that one. Okay? So that one's better. All right? This is just me trying to help you internalize Romans 12, 1 and 2. I promise God will change you through it. Let's move on to the second part of our passage. If you missed some of this, our manuscripts are up and available online anyways. Second part of verse one into verse two. Paul says, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true worship. All right, 
Let's just focus for a second on worship, what it is. Because that word's often connected to music, right? It's connected to celebration, which is good and right. After all, I mean, you look at the Psalms, that's all throughout the Psalms. We bring the, the, all these different instruments, the tambourine, the trumpet, the drums, the guitar, to celebrate through song. God gave us music, why? To glorify him. But worship here is a presentation of our bodies, our lives, as a living sacrifice, not as a three-part harmony, as a living sacrifice. So worship, hear me, is choosing to sacrifice your life to God today. That's worship. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Okay, what is that? As a living sacrifice. It means you're called to die. We kind of have this joke um, running in our college ministry. Pastor Scott oversees that each theme, uh, each year, there's a theme of our summer city project. It's just going to be some different way of, you know, Scott saying, all right, die. I'm not sure exactly how it's going to come out, but it's going to be Jesus calls you to die. So die, right? But it's not a physical death because that's been done. Present your body as a living sacrifice. Listen, in the Old Testament, you go to Hebrews 9 and read up on this. The altar was a place of sacrifice. Priest goes in daily, yearly to offer a sacrifice as atonement for the sins of the people. Sins must be paid for in blood, but it could never fully work. The blood of the animal, off, you know, this is where we get the word scapegoat from, right? Is the goat goes in and pays for our escape with its blood. The lamb goes in and pays for our sin with its blood, but it can never be fully paid for. So Jesus Christ himself, God sends his son to go to the altar of the cross as a dying sacrifice for our sin. He dies in our place. That's the atonement of the gospel in four words. Jesus in my place, right? He dies in my place. And so instead of me going in and presenting myself as a dying sacrifice, paying justly for my sins, I get to the altar, I see Christ on the cross, and I'm free to walk away. I'm given forgiveness. And instead of a dying sacrifice, Paul tells me to be a living sacrifice. What does that mean? It means each day I'm dying to my agenda for my life. And instead I'm saying, Lord, here's my life. What do you want from it? I don't know about you, but... I often just don't intentionally wake up and offer my day to God that way. But I just don't think about it. Start there, it never enters my mind. And then oftentimes, if it does enter my mind, you know what? I'm going to live for Jesus today. Immediately, a battle ensues. Well, God says, do this. I do not want to do that. I want to do what I want to do. That's why I got to keep God's mercies in view. The Apostle Paul says it even more clearly over in 2 Corinthians 5. It says, for the love of Christ compels us. Since we have reached this conclusion, one died for all. Therefore, all, you and me, all died. And he died for all, you and me, so that those who live, now you and me, no longer live for ourselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. Don't live for yourself. That was the theme this past summer in our city project. Don't live for yourself. And the good news is you weren't made to. You weren't made to. So it's not just offering yourself as a sacrifice. It's not just what you do in response to the mercies of God. When you do it, you experience the fullness of life God created you for. Living a life of celebration and sacrifice will actually fill you, not drain you. 
but you got to offer your life to him, and I promise he'll change you. This is the second part of the prayer. God changed me. Prayer part two is sacrifice. In view of your mercies, I offer my life to you today. Holy Spirit, please lead me to thoughts, words, and actions that will worship you because my life is yours. Y'all, that is easy to sing, especially if you've been around church for a while. I'm calling me first and foremost and offering it to you the way the scripture does to actually pray it and walk it out. My relationship, think of the different things that are in your life. Maybe it's your relationship with your boyfriend or girlfriend. God, today, it's yours. What do you want from it? My work today, my work ethic, it's yours. My grades while I'm at school, my sports or whatever else while after school, it's yours. I want you to get glory. You lead me to the thoughts, words, and actions that will bring you glory through me today there. When I see something that will inconvenience me, whether it's helping a friend move or something like that, or maybe it's a homeless stranger, Lord, my time is yours today. That moment in the school pickup line or in traffic, it's yours. My moment with my phone alone where no one else sees. Or maybe it's that conversation with that person who's just been really difficult in my life. It belongs to you. It's getting more important. My children all together are yours. Where I choose to live, I'm going to actually give that to you, Lord. Some of you, God might be calling to go overseas to an unreached people group and preach the gospel to them. And maybe the one thing holding you back is asking the question, Lord, it's, it's yours. Where do you want me to live? Where do you want me to go? My retirement years, my time, talent, and treasure, it's yours. Help me live for you today. That's worship. For what it's worth, I'm trying to pray this first thing when I get up in the morning because basically as soon as I wake up, my selfishness kicks in. So I got to get, I mean, spend time with the Lord every day. That's what I want to encourage you towards. Whenever that is, you do it. But for me, selfishness is there. As soon as I open my eyes, maybe you're holier than me, but I got to start my day. Celebration and sacrifice. All right, verse two, to finish. Uh, let's continue into verse two. This one's, man, he says, do not be conformed to this age. Your translation might say to the patterns of this age or the patterns of this world that works because there are patterns that, that are pressing you to conform. This is externally applied pressure. They might tug at internal desires, but they will not transform you into who God created you to be. They are externally applied pressures. That's what conformity does, trying to make you into something from the outside. Right? Think of the patterns of this world. The American dream, that's a big old pattern. You get good grades so you can get a good job, so you can get a good income, so that you can earn the dream of financial stability. Dream secure. Y'all, there's nothing wrong with wealth, but the idea of getting enough wealth so that you no longer need to depend on God, that's not in Scripture. Actually, the only place that's in Scripture is when Satan tempts Jesus with it. Otherwise, that's not in Scripture. And if you get it, you actually get to the American dream, and you get more and more wealth, you're not filled with peace. You're filled with, secure, with insecurity and anxiety all the time. The way Biggie said it, more money, more problems. It's completely true. If you don't know who Biggie is, do your homework, Okay. And that's the reason you're not filled. You weren't created to be filled by that dream. It just fills your bank account and drains your soul. Again, wealth's not wrong, but who is it for? 
If it's to say, Lord, you've given me this, it's all for you today. What do you want me to do with it? Man, that's a living sacrifice. Another pattern in our age. I don't know what else to call it other than we'll call it ideology of the age or the secular ideology because of the absence of God in our age that is seeking to make you Christian conform to a certain way of thinking about the world. For example, that, that believes gender identity is fluid, that misunderstands love and believes sexual desires not to be questioned or restrained at all. Like if I were to say the statement, sex is designed for a man and woman inside the bond of marriage. Y'all, just in the 17 years I've been in ministry, that's now borderline hate speech. Some of you at work, if you say it, you could get fired. You say it at school, you could get ostracized or even attacked. I'm not saying you go around beating people down with your faith. But what I am saying is that when the loud voice of the Roman Empire is shouting that you are wrong and you need to conform, will you be conformed by external pressure Or instead, will you be transformed more into the image of Christ and speak the truth in love? We should lead lives of love for all. Yes. We should live and speak truth in love. So listen to me. This is important. Love and conformity are two different things. Our present age does not understand that. And if you're going to walk following Jesus, you're going to walk with the tension of, It feels like the world around me wants to combine these two things when they're actually two different things. So he says, don't be conformed, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation is not externally applied pressure from without. It's change that starts within and works its way out. Even the wording, I love this, be transformed. It's passive. That's passive tense. You can't do it. It's something that is done to you. I hope this brings a great deal of relief to you today. Um, Only God can change you. You cannot transform. You can conform, but you cannot be transformed. God has to do that work to you. You can devote yourself to the renewing of your mind. Only God can transform you. The prayer I'm giving you today, it's just trying to cultivate a yielding to God so he can go to work. This word only occurs two other times in the New Testament. One is Mark 9, this word transformation. One is Mark 9, where Jesus is transfigured up on the mountain. And then the other, 2 Corinthians 3.18, where Paul says, as we behold the glory of God in view of God's mercies, right? We are being transformed into the image of Christ. So our prayer, God change me, the image that we're saying, God change me into Jesus. That's his desire for you. You want to get to know what he's calling you to be changed into? Go and walk with Jesus in the Gospels. You want to pray God's will? God, make me just a little more like Jesus today. Just a little more like him. But y'all, I'm telling you, there's a temptation for church people. Like me and you, a big one. Because just like any other group, you might try and conform your behavior to what will be given approval here among us. In other words, you'll be tempted to fake your faith in here to go through the motions and hope that nobody discovers how messed up you really are. Well, good news. We know that you are a hot mess. Okay. We already, we are, the reason we know is because we are all hot messes. Remember show of hands. How many is a hot mess? We're sinners, right? All of us. Let's listen. So how are you 
opening yourself up to be transformed, renewing your mind, you fill your mind with the word of God. Fill your mind with the word of God. Your mind is similar to your body, right? It can only take a certain amount of input. You fill your body with junk food and sit on the couch, you're going to be transformed into an always tired, soft blob of impending diabetes, right? That's what's going to happen to you. But if you fill your body with nutritious food and exercise, you're going to be transformed into a strong, alert man or woman. The transformation you desire, becoming more like Jesus, God brings it as you devote yourself to him, to his word and prayer and walking with him. Let that be your first food. And as you begin to devote yourself to the word of God, devote yourself in sacrifice to the work of God, of being about his glory in your day. And he's going to change you. It's going to be in small little things. You're going to start to see the change. It's going to be in that for me right now. It's in that moment of parenting of, I need to, Lord, I want to just rage out on this kid right now, but I know it's not what you call me to in love, shepherd them more into your image. Lord, I need your help right now today. I give you this parenting moment right now. It's all those little moments that have started in my day of saying, Lord, I want today to be about that. And I just got to keep that conversation going throughout the day. And he's going to change you. He's he's even going to change the way you see yourself. Like if you struggle with self-loathing, you're going to start to find dignity in being a son or daughter of God and being his agent of change in the world around you. Those are names of honor. And if you're prideful like me, He's going to start to humble you as you see that he's the one doing the work. He's the one doing the work. Four months off and away from the ministry here, what I realize is I'm far more inconsequential than I thought. And I am so grateful. I get to walk back in and just be a part of what he is doing. He doesn't need me. But man, he invites me in. That humbles me. And I get to become more like Jesus who humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. So God changed me, prayer part three. It's transformation. Yes, I added a third part because it filled out the text. God, make me just a little more like Jesus today. Just a little more like Jesus today. Help me to deny the temptation to conform to the world around me. Help me to see and respond to the world as you would. I'm ready. I wonder if this can be true of me and true of us. I'm ready for you to change me for my good and your glory today. Amen. Celebration and sacrifice. It'll lead to transformation, y'all. The Lord, as we yield ourselves and let the Lord do his work through us, and we say, Lord, I'm ready. Make me just a little more like Jesus today. Man, he's going to work through that. I'm excited to the next thing we're going to do in our worship service is we're going to take communion together just to be reminded, just to keep God's mercies in view. He gave us this meal. It's a tangible way to do together as the church body. We gather around together and we are reminded of God's mercies lest we forget. And so that's what we're going to do. The, the cup and the bread, it's what Jesus gave to us, said that to his disciples, this is my blood. This is my body given for you, my blood shed for you creating a new covenant between you and God so you don't have to earn your salvation anymore. You can just lay it down, lay down all that hard work and instead just come and receive salvation from me. That's what we're gonna do today. So I'm gonna pray for us and then uh, our worship teams at both of our campuses are gonna come and lead us through taking communion together. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for your grace on us. 
thank you that you change us. We simply have to open up, say I'm ready. Thank you for the mercy you poured out on us in Christ, the mercies you continue to give us. They are new every day. Great is your faithfulness. God, we praise you for our time to worship and to be called back to get your mercies in view again this morning. We're grateful for that. Don't take it for granted. We love you. We praise you in Christ's holy name. Amen.